Dermatology. Is it a perfect fit for women in medicine? And why have they created their own Women's Derm Society, one that has a significant percentage of men involved? You're listening to Reach MDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today exploring the topic of women in dermatology is Dr. Neil Sadik, a male dermatologist who's a member of the Women's Dermatological Society. Welcome, Neil. Thank you, Michael. Neil, why are you as a guy a member of this society, one of 10% of this society? Well, I believe women are playing an important role in dermatology, and I want to be supportive of that effort. I think a lot of the future growth of dermatology will fall into the female sector. Okay. What got you first interested in this this organization? Well, women were very politically involved in dermatology, and many of the advances and many of the educational courses in the American Academy of Dermatology meetings were run by women. And because I thought that was the case, it would be good to partner with women, and that's what began my relationships, as well as several interpersonal relationships with some excellent female dermatologists. Okay. What, what have you gotten from the organization, personally? Well, personally, I've met some of the brightest and great friends. Many of these women are extremely high-powered, extremely intelligent, and they, as I said, are leaders in dermatology, and many have become personal friends to myself. And they've helped also to advance research and education in dermatology, which is something that I'm totally supportive of. Yeah, women kind of get things done, don't they? They do, and they are doing it with increased power in the dermatology world. Now, have you ever mentored any of their uh, members, their younger members? We have mentored a couple of women in women's dermatology. They come to our office. They learn about how we run our practice. We have a very technology-oriented practice. They learn about lasers, fillers, liposuction, hair transplantation. These are women that are undecided as to what part of dermatology in terms of their professional career they want to pursue. So they come to us to see how we run our practice and what options might fit their lifestyle. Okay. How about other guys in the organization? Do you go to meetings? I guess that's the first question. Do you go to the meetings? I do go to many of the women's dermatology. They have a number of networking sessions, and I have attended a number of them as well. We have luncheons both at the annual American Academy of Dermatology meeting as well as the derm surgery meeting. And I do attend those meetings quite frequently and have been involved in a number of important research and educational fundraising efforts as well. Do a lot of the other guys go to the meetings or are they just supportive members because they think it's a good thing? I think it varies. There are some men that are supportive members because they think that it's politically the right thing to do. But there are a number of others like myself who really believe in the cause. So we want to stay as actively involved as possible. Okay, so when you go to these luncheons, are the guys like grouped at their own tables or are you spread out among all the women? We are spread out. We are just interspersed. We're considered all-encompassing as members of one organization which has a common goal, the advancement of dermatology. In this purview, looking at women as being major players and being able to accomplish this goal. So how do you compare women's derm, what kind of place does that have in your life compared to like the other professional organizations you're in? I know you're in Noah Worcester with me, and that's another derm organization. I know that we're all members of the academy. How does this fit into your life? Is it special? I think women's derm is special for me because some of my closest friends in dermatology now are women. And one great thing that I've really learned from them is, as you said before, Michael, how to get it done. They are the most amazing individuals in being able to raise research and educational support 
and doing things that perhaps men might have a little bit of a harder time accomplishing. Yeah, and they seem to be very supportive of each other and their own personal growth. Have you had this experience from being a part of this organization that you've grown as a human being compared to just being a a technical physician? I have. I would say overall that women tend to be closer to each other. I think they're in generally there is less competitiveness amongst women. They really care not only about their professional careers and their professional growth, but they care about their families interpersonal relationships seem to be more at the forefront. It might be that so-called feminine touch, but that's another area that really draws me to this particular group. They're caring not only for each other, their patients, and life in general. Well, it's, it's something that we male doctors should be more aware of inside of ourselves, that caring part of ourselves, and it sounds like this organization brings it out. They certainly do, Michael, and that's really one of the major attractive points of them. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Neil Sadik, who is a dermatologist in New York right now. That is so, Michael. New York, and an active member and an avid supporter of the Women's Dermatological Society. Let's talk about women in dermatology, all right? When you were training, I don't know how, how long you've been in practice. How, how long have you? I've been in practice for two decades now, Michael. Okay, so 20 years. When you were in training, what percentage of residents in your program were women? Well, when I began my training, it was probably two to three men to one woman, and now the ratio is somewhat reversed. It's two to three women to one man. There's this myth out there about women in dermatology, which we're kind of breaking apart today from talking to all the women that I've been interviewing for the society, that women go into dermatology, they want an easy life, they get out there, they want to work two half days a week doing Botox. I'm not finding that. Are you? Well, I think it varies. I think that most women are looking to have that same professional success and enrichment for their professional careers as men do. I think for all of us in dermatology, we're sort of blessed, although it's not the primary motivating factor, and it's often made of humorous uh, aspects of the fact that there are not a lot of dermatologic emergencies that take us to hospitals or have us have many calls during the evening hours. Okay. Let's change gears a little bit then, talking about you or women in general in a multifaceted practice. What changes do you see on the horizon in dermatology, especially affecting women in this organization? Well, I think one thing for sure is that a lot of dermatology is moving towards the aesthetic arena. People are living longer. Dermatologists have been leaders in terms of uh, minimally invasive new technologies such as lasers, fillers. They've really minimized more aggressive surgical procedures. I myself have been involved in the advancement of venous disease. We've developed endovenous lasers and radiofrequency technologies which replace surgery for treatment of all varicose veins, be cosmetic or medical. So I think there's going to be a continued advancement of these minimally invasive or non-invasive technologies out there. And particularly as people are living longer, women are having often multiple relationships with men during their lifetime. They may go through a divorce or as they live longer, they may become widowed, etc., and are entering again into interpersonal relationships at various points during their lives. For all of these reasons, there certainly is a greater sense of wanting to achieve your best aesthetic appearance possible. Okay. So I know it's another subject, but how about medical dermatology? Do you still practice medical dermatology? I still do medical dermatology. And as a matter of fact, being a professor of of dermatology and trained and board certified as well in internal medicine, I'm still referred many difficult cases that other dermatologists are unable to figure out, help lead grand rounds at Cornell New York Hospital and actively involved in teaching residents 
and still play a major role in terms of the educational efforts in medical dermatology. We are all there, number one, for patient skin health. So being able to recognize and treat skin cancer, having expertise in treating difficult skin problems still is at the forefront of my professional emphasis. Good. We're kind of blowing apart the myth that I don't know if you're aware of the article that was in the New York Times recently about a writer who said that it takes longer to get an appointment for a skin check, for a mole check, than it does for Botox. Are you aware of that article? Well, I, I am aware of that, and I think that is the case in the managed care arena. Number one, there are a shortage of dermatologists People are more aware of skin-related problems, so we need to train more dermatologists, particularly make them more geographically equilibrated to have more dermatologists in the central country rather than in the coastal states like New York and California where there is not as much of a need for more dermatologists. And to do that will be the only way to really alleviate the shortage that's associated with getting a medical appointment to recognize skin cancer or treat a difficult medical skin condition. So in your practice, can you get an appointment for a skin check just as fast as for Botox? In my practice, anyone that says, I need to come in, I have a problem, I see them that day, no matter how late I have to stay. We are fortunate to have quite a large staff of physicians, assistants, nurses, so we're able to accommodate anyone that really feels they have a pressing need to be seen. See, I love hearing that because I do that in my practice too. Anybody who needs to come in comes in that day. And if people have to wait a little bit longer for an emergency, we say we're very sorry that you have to wait a little bit. But when you need to come in, you'll be seen. I treat every patient like I would want to treat myself or a family member. If there's something concerning me enough or concerning them enough, I want to be sure that they're well cared. I love hearing that. So what's your take on opportunities for women in dermatology in the next decade or so? Well, I think that, again, there are going to be an increasing number of women in the dermatology field. I think more of them are going to go on to have fellowships in Mohs surgery, in cosmetic dermatologic surgery, in dermatopathology. So I think that we will see more highly trained, specialized, and skilled women in this arena. And I look forward to, again, working with them in the future because they are becoming a major force in the dermatology field. And this wasn't the way it was 30 or 40 years ago. It was all men. Things have changed, but we all need to change in life. And I must say, this is one of the more pleasant changes in my life. I like that. Okay. What about your, yourself in dermatology? Where do you see you going in the future? Well, for myself, we have a large research group here. We're involved in research and technology development. We usually run about 10 to 12 FDA studies per year. I'm actively involved in uh, fundraising for research in skin disease. I also am presently president of the Cosmetic Surgery Foundation. I'm a treasurer of the um, International Society of Laser Medicine and Surgery, and I serve on the Phobology Foundation, which is related to research in venous disease. So I want to continue my educational efforts. I want to continue to teach young physicians to be sure that the next generation is hopefully as skilled as we are. And most importantly, I want to continue to provide the best patient care during the rest of my professional career. Let me ask you a half-serious question here. You know, there's an International Women's Derm Society that meets in really cool places. Are you a member of that? I am not a member of that. so I'm I'm thinking of joining that one, too. Well, as soon as you join, let me know, and I'll be there with you. Because they met in Rhodes, Greece, rather than meeting along with the Academy of Derm meeting. Uh, That that sounds exciting. my, this month, I'll be traveling to, for educational purposes, to Buenos Aires. As you know, we have the World Congress of Dermatology. I'm not sure if you're going, Michael, and I'm going on to Dubai for an international liposuction meeting and then to Cairo Dermatology in Egypt. 
So, and then we have our international surgical meeting in Venice, the ISDS. So, you know, I do travel to many of these very interesting places, and that's been one of the great positive aspects of my career as well, meeting so many people from around the world, being involved with so many different cultures, and helping to educate those in various parts of the world. Well, when you get to these places, do you, are, are you bringing along the mantle of women's derm with you? Do you ever talk about it to people? Uh, I do talk about women's derm and women in dermatology, and like here in the United States, there is an increasing number of women who are training and leading the field of dermatology, not only in the United States, but throughout the world as well. Well, thank you, uh, Neil. Thanks for being our guest today and sharing your insights into the Women's Derm Society. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Reach MDXM is here for you, the health professionals who care for your patients. Tell us what you want and what you need. Send your email to xm at reachmd.com. We value your questions, and we thank you for listening. 